Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Nicola Everett. Hello, hope you're okay and happy Friday. Thanks ever so much for downloading today's podcast on August the 11th. We're going to be looking ahead to a weekend of live music in Kent with What's On's Sam Laurie, plus hearing from a young football star ahead of the Lionesses' quarterfinal at the Women's World Cup. But first, a month after refuse workers first went on strike in Canterbury, the council has agreed to meet their pay demand but with a condition. Well, Dan joins me now with more on this one. So, Dan, what is the condition? Well, you may remember that bin men who are employed by Canonco, which is Canterbury City Council's environment company, walked out on July 5th. They want drivers to get £15 an hour and loaders £12. As you say, the authority have now said they'll meet that request, but only if workers no longer knock off early. And how much is this pay rise going to cost the council? Well, they'll need to find an extra £300,000, which will come from cutting costs elsewhere but the pay rise wouldn't come into effect until January next year. It would be given to both GMB and Unison members who are considering the offer. So is this the end of it then, Dan? Well, we're still waiting to see if the offer is accepted. Council leader Alan Bordock has said there is no other offer on the table and has urged the unions to accept the money and the new approaching to working their contracted hours. Refuse workers were due to march through Canterbury today, but that was called off. We'll bring you any updates on this story at Kent Online. Dan, thank you ever so much. Kent Online News. Elsewhere today, Wilco stores in Kent are still trading for now, despite the company collapsing into administration yesterday. Across the country, more than 12,000 jobs are at risk. The retailer has 13 shops in the county and first appeared on our high streets, would you believe, way back in 1930. Well, we've been getting reaction from Tudor Price, who's from the Kent Invicta Chamber of Commerce. He's been chatting to Dan. Well, why it's happened is going to be quite complex. Complex. Um, there's been a series of a series of events. I think we've we've seen a lot of uh, news come from sort of the Wilco camp, as it were, as they're trying to sort of work out a rescue package. Um, but unfortunately, yeah, this this is probably a symptom of uh, changing consumer behaviour, uh, increased costs. So in terms of not just energy, but sort of rent and rates as well. There's also an element of of competition that's come into this now as well, which is with B&M, the range, uh, Poundland, of course. You know, they've all entered in that discount market. Uh, we've seen a lot of the the supermarkets like Aldi and Lidl, of course, come in as well. They also sort of the, the famous middle aisle, you know, a lot of products they're selling, which are similar to what was being offered through Wilco. But I think Wilco sort of failed to, to adapt early enough. You know, they're already taking on some debt to try and sort of keep their, their business running. Uh, they have a very expensive sort of high street footprint, which, you know, those that sort of bricks and mortar cost a lot of money. So I suspect we won't see Wilco's come back in, in, in the sort of current form. What we may see is it get broken up and sold off in different parts as different uh, investors, you know, like different aspects to, to the business. But I think, you know, Wilco has sort of run its time and, and it's, frust- it's sad, it's frustrating. And I think there'll be a lot of, a lot of people who will be disappointed to see it go from the high street. Um, but it's I think it was an, an inevitable change. Um, but obviously there's quite a few people locally as well who I think will be sort of, you know, reappointed uh, through other organisations and bits and pieces. So I don't think it will have quite the, the sort of social impact we, we expect. Um, but certainly it's, it's another another nail in the coffin than the high street, I'm afraid. Yeah, and, and, and as you say, lots of people are going to be going to be sad about this. Um, mm. It's been reported that they'll they'll be staying open for now uh, and no immediate job losses. And when something like this happens, what for people that are, are worried about about mm. it going? What's normally the is there a usual time scale for for these things? When when is it going to close? That sort of thing. 
don't, so most organizations when they go into administration obviously there's a professional uh, administrative body put in place to run so they take over for the management and their job is to first of all try and save the business so they'll be looking at what they can do to either restructure uh, or to possibly sell off elements of it in order to keep the business running um, and then once they determine what the best course of action is and that could take a couple of months sometimes um, it all depends on the creditors so the ones that are waiting to get paid now they're the ones that will call the shots and determine whether or not there's a, enough time to, to go through that restructure or whether they call it a day earlier. Um, depending on how they play out, will will be obviously determine the timeline and as to when redundancies come into to, to effect. But what I suspect we'll see is uh, probably a breaking up. Um, the administrators will have a number of priorities. One is to obviously make sure that any government debt is resolved then working with the creditors and then unfortunately then the employees come sort of third in the list on that but there is some asset value to what Wilco has so there's every likelihood that there will be sufficient funds to pay out and whether there's pension pots or things like that as well I suspect most employees will be okay albeit obviously they may be looking for alternative work. Is there even more concerns for the high street now that you know such a big big name like Wilco's gone and it, it, other like retailers you know they're going to be worried about about this and what's happening and um, especially during yeah the, the sort of economic struggles at the moment. Yeah, I think um, we, we've seen. I mean, with the likes of House of Fraser and, and other large, you know, sort of, um, national institutions, Woolworths going back in the day, of course, um, BHS. You know, there's there's a whole number of of organisations, high street brands, if you like, that that we're sort of seeing disappear. What we are seeing though is, of course, a resurgence of independence. So we're seeing a lot more small independent uh, traders coming through, speciality. Uh, traders and also the high street being converted more into a place of, of social leisure and, and hospitality which i think is is the right way to go we're seeing more apartments and uh, properties being converted into residential which then makes it more of a living space and therefore there's that sort of need for the butcher the baker the candlestick making you know, there is consumers on site that need those services but I think any large institution is going to continue to struggle in those spaces. And that's why they're moving to out of towns in the retail centres, which you know, tend to sort of lend themselves better to that large parking, large consumer purchase. So it's it's a, a readjustment. I don't think it's uh, I don't think it's, it's the death of the high street. It is just part of the continual change we're seeing. A motorcyclist has been flown to a London hospital after a crash on the A2 near Dartford. The bike collided with two cars on the coastbound stretch between the M25 and the turn-off for Blue Water yesterday. Police, paramedics and the air ambulance were called and the crash caused long delays for drivers. A court's heard how a woman jumped out of a window in Chatham to escape an attack by her partner. Daniel Gaskin strangled his victim and gouged her eye. The 30 seven-year-old from Saffron Way has been locked up for two years and eight months. It's emerged a Ramsgate man whose partner died just 24 hours before their wedding took his own life four days later. 59-year-old Peter Lee's body was found at his home last October. Friends are now planning to sell his artwork to raise money for charity. Kent Online reports. Junior doctors in Kent are back out on strike. They're walking out until Tuesday as part of an ongoing dispute with the government over pay. NHS Kent and Medway say the action will cause serious challenges for services with patients being urged to use 111 online and only dial 999 in a life-threatening emergency. A campaign supported by Kent artists is calling on the government to reinstall art at asylum centres. Cartoons Not Cruelty are also working with local businesses to use art to welcome refugee children. You may recall that a centre in Dover hit the headlines recently when artwork was removed. Well, at the time... 
Immigration Minister Robert Jemrick claimed it was because it wasn't age-appropriate. Well, Flora Parrott and Rima Armin are from Cartoons Not Cruelty. I read a news story that spoke about the cartoons being removed and for me, I think I was taken aback by the idea that a conscious decision was made uh, to take away something from you know, young children who have fled the most uh, horrendous of circumstances. And so upon sort of feeling that, I felt that we needed to do something. The campaign is calling on Suella Braveman and, and Robert Jenrick to essentially put this right. I'd read the news in the newspaper and heard it on the heard the story on the radio as well. And like uh, most people, I think, responded um, by just with shock, just thinking, why would you why would you remove something like that? I don't I don't understand how that's happening and what what the rationale is. Um, I got in touch with the campaign to say, look, I live in the area. I've got a big network of artists and art students and young people who are interested in um, creative industries. What can we do? How can we get behind it? The first step would be to write an open letter and say, listen, let us put it back. Let us fix it. There's such a strong um, positive creative community in Kent let's let's just put it back and without hesitation people were very positive about it and willing to to sign and there's signatures on there from directors of galleries um right down to students working um in working on their um project on their own projects and institutions in the area and a really big range um, of people across Kent so um and I think if we'd had that letter open for another week or two, it would have spread further as well. We've got such an extraordinarily strong creative community in Kent. Um, we see it all around in our towns and cities. We see beautiful murals, uh, beautiful artworks up in galleries. And it would just be wonderful to extend that into these spaces. I know that um, everybody that I spoke to around the campaign really just felt that that action didn't reflect the attitude of people in our towns and cities and in our area towards vulnerable young people, you know. If anyone would like to get involved with with the campaign, they can sign up to our petition on change.org forward slash cartoons, not cruelty. Now, all of this comes as figures show 100,000 asylum seekers are now thought to have crossed the channel to Kent in the past five and a half years when current records began. Student nurses at a Kent University who were due to complete their degrees have been told they're not fully qualified. People on the adult nursing course at Canterbury Christchurch will need to do more placement hours due to an error in calculation. It's feared it could affect some of their job prospects, where the uni has apologised and say they're meeting with students to discuss the issue. The health watchdog, meantime, is taking action to protect older people at a home in Whitstable, which has been rated inadequate. The Care Quality Commission found that there weren't enough staff at St Martin's to meet people's needs and they had been put at risk. But the facility on Join Lane has been placed in special measures and will be kept under review. Electricity has now been restored to most homes in Chatham after a power surge caused a fire and smoke within properties. Some people's fridges and TVs broke when it happened on Tuesday. UK power networks have been providing support for residents. Kent Online reports. Controversial plans to build flats on green space in Gravesham are set to be given the go ahead despite hundreds of people objecting. Gravesham Council applied for permission to put eight flats on a one-acre site in Eisted Rise back in February. More than 500 people
people were against it, but a final decision will be published in the next few weeks. Now, it's emerged a nine-year-old girl from Medway has been out of school for more than six months because of a lack of suitable places. Abby Warman from Who hasn't been in class since January when it was decided her mainstream school could no longer support her complex needs. Well, her mum says she deserved the right to an education. The council have confirmed they're working with the family. Staying with education news and a train carriage that's going to be converted into a cafe has been craned into place at a school in Maidstone. It'll eventually be staffed by pupils at Five Acre Wood so they can learn about the hospitality industry. Tim Williams is the head teacher and Kirsty Hemingway is in charge of their satellite schools. It felt like Christmas Eve last night. I couldn't sleep. Um, so a mixture of, of excitement and, and a little bit of worry, I've got to be honest. But now that it's here, I mean, it's incredible, isn't it? Absolutely incredible. It's huge. So, yeah, I'm, I'm happy. I'm excited. I'm elated. I'm very, very grateful to all our supporters. And, I, you know, I do want to emphasise how grateful we are and thankful for everything they've done for us. Yeah, I mean, one of our school's trademark values is, to, you know, together stronger, and it absolutely has been from the big companies, the people that have, you know, supported us, the local community, our school pupils and their families and our staff. It, it Wow, well, it just takes your breath away, doesn't it, seeing this massive carriage come through your school gates? <laughs> it's very real. <laughs> it's very, real. very real. Um, and one of the things that I, I thought about was, I mean, why a train? I know why not, but wh- <laughs> why exactly a train carriage? <laughs> It's exactly that. Why, why not? If we're going to do something at Five Acrewood, we like doing it differently. And we were never going to have a little kiosk where you serve tea and coffee. We wanted to deliberately do something big, audacious. And, and in doing that, we've got the press here. We've got great companies supporting us. You know, we've got um, the gentleman stood in front of me here is from the Cobtree Trust who supported us immensely. Um, without that big, audacious dream and vision, we wouldn't have the level of support that we are now. And we wouldn't be able to create the best possible opportunities for our pupils. Yeah, a lot of a lot of our students love trains. You know, it's a massive form of form of transport. You know, historically from the industrial revolution in our country, trains have been massive and part of our society. And you know, actually, our our, our students learn by you know watching and doing. And we you know we've been able to realise hopefully this vision. You know, working with those big organisations and training our, our youngsters up so they can you know hopefully get into paid employment. You know, supported employment or volunteering in the future with key transferable skills. Lovely. And um, so it's going in now. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's what's next? What's next on the what, list of what, jobs? Yeah, what's next is the refurbishment of it. So it will be installed today um, and then it needs to be welded to the track either today or tomorrow. And then we need to step back and, and, and have a look at what needs doing in terms of the internal external refurbishment to get it up to industry standard cafe. Um, we have a project manager, Jeremy, who whose job will be to pull all the volunteers and support. And we've been inundated with support from our local community and beyond. Um, so, for example, our local community, plumbers, electricians, um, joiners have come forwards, as well as people that just want to volunteer their time. And we've also been offered support at the other end of the spectrum from Panasonic, from Costa. So Jeremy's task as project manager is going to be to pull all of that support together, to stagger the work. Um, and ideally, we'd like to be operational by January 2024. And Sarah's son, Joel, goes to the school. I mean, it's just the most fantastic resource ever. It was, it was a crazy idea that has turned into reality and it means all the students will have access to a a fully functioning cafe where they can learn different skills, have new experiences and then hopefully take those skills into the workplace as they grow older. You know, to hear the madcap idea, I think it probably was a couple of years ago when Tim first mentioned it and it is just incredible to see it actually going into place and happening.
Brilliant. Um, and what sorts of skills will students learn the trade? Well, all the hospitality skills, you know, serving customers, cooking, clearing up, making coffees. Um, you know, it's, it's dealing with money, really vital skills for them all. As a parent, it's wonderful to know that my son will have this experience. You, you. you don't get this at any other school. You certainly don't get a, a cafe and a train at any other school. And it's, it's just opening the world up to him and to all the other students. You can see pictures of the train being craned into place at the school and also watch a video report from our colleagues at KMTV by heading to the website. Kent Online News. Hundreds of people are expected to celebrate Margate Pride, which takes place this weekend, this year. There's a 90s feel with the likes of Bewitched, Claire Richards from Steps and Blues' Duncan James taking to the stage at Dreamland on Saturday. The one-day festival will give Kent's LGBTQ plus community a chance to celebrate diversity. I've been chatting all about it to James Penfold, who's from Dreamland. Obviously, there's lots going on during the day as well. There's uh, the, the, um, the rally at half past three and then the parade at four o'clock, which finishes off at the clock tower. Um, and then on to Margate Pride in Dreamland at five o'clock. How important is it for you guys to stage this sort of event? I mean, it's a fantastic venue. It's getting a real reputation for being a super music venue as well. And um, obviously Pride has been there before. You must be looking forward to it. Yeah, it's always a fantastic day. Uh, obviously, last year Sugar Babes headlined, um, and it's just it's just a great fun day. Everyone in, everyone loves it. Um, uh, that all the staff get into the spirit of things, and uh, yeah, it's just a fantastic day for all ages. Um, this year we're we're hosting an after party as well, but make sure make sure you're there for five o'clock because um, we've got Lisa Mafia. Um, opening the show, um, followed by Duncan for James from Blue. Um, we've also got Tom Rasmussen, who's uh, a young sort of gay icon, um, uh, uh, who's who's playing during the day as well. And then obviously finishing off with Claire Richards from Steps and um, uh, and Bewitched as well, headlining. And and there's some, some, some surprises as well for um, for people. So um, so just make sure you're there from the start and you're there all the way through, I think. Very excited to hear about Bewitched. I'm, I'm expecting a lot of double denim at Dreamland. Also, yes, so. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if you saw, they were on um, they were on Good Morning Britain the other day. And uh, yeah, that's, that's the call to everyone, as much double denim as possible. Fantastic. Um, you say, of course, it, it follows the parade and it's all very family friendly. And I think, fingers crossed, James, the weather is going to be okay because I'm sure it's it's been a bit of a concern and a bit of a thought in the back of your mind. The, the last sort of the last week or so, yeah, it's been it's been a concern, but it looks like it's it looks like it's going to be another good weekend. Um, yeah, and, and obviously, as well as it being a, a, a for all ages event and for all the family, it's completely inclusive as well. So everyone's welcome. Um, there's no uh, there's no preconceptions or anything. We we just everyone just wants to have a, a great party and a great day, really. And with details on everything else going on in Kent this weekend, here's our What's On reporter Sam Laurie. If you're in the mood for music this weekend, it's the perfect chance to get out and watch some great live bands all across Kent. First up, one of the county's biggest folk festivals is back from today with free outdoor performances, brilliant pub gigs, and ticketed headline concerts. Broadstairs Folk Week will see more than 130 artists come to the town over the next seven days with performances at lots of different venues. 
There are also musical instrument and dance workshops, street food stores, local beer, ale and cider, a craft fair and more. You can find the full schedule and ticket info on the website. And that's not the only festival in Kent this weekend. Fans of the 1950s can head down to the Kent 50s Fest in Sandwich on Friday and Saturday, where there'll be lots of live bands playing the best rock and roll hits from the decade, as well as a headline set from Vince Eager. This year, the festival will also feature a unique photo exhibition, record stalls, retro memorabilia, dance lessons and a classic car show. Also, if you're feeling peckish, there's a gourmet food and music festival taking place at a luxury hotel on Saturday. The Pig at Bridge Place in Canterbury will once again host the Smoked and Uncut Festival, which boasts delicious street food, signature dishes from top chefs and foodie experiences, including a three-course meal and tasting menus. There's also a headline set from indie band Razorlight, as well as a full day of live music. And one more idea for this weekend, if you're looking for something free to do with the whole family, we suggest hopping on your bike and exploring Kent on two wheels. We've picked 10 of the county's most beautiful cycling trails that will take you along coastal paths, country roads and traffic-free routes, so even the youngest cyclists can enjoy some time out in the fresh air. You can find the list up on the What's On website and in this week's paper. So whether you fancy listening to some great live music or exploring the Kent countryside this weekend, you certainly won't be short of ideas. Kent Online Sport. We're going to start with football and Gillingham's Robbie McKenzie says he hopes to keep scoring after his recent run of good form. The defender got the winner at Stockport at the weekend before netting two in Tuesday night's cup upset against Southampton. He's been chatting to us along with manager Neil Harris ahead of tomorrow's match against Leighton Orient at Priestfield and Robbie started with reflecting on that 3-1 win over Southampton. Overall it was a great team performance. I feel like we deserved the win in the End. The only disappointment is we didn't get more goals. Uh, conceded one as well, which we could have prevented. Uh, but yeah, overall it was such a positive night. And now I look forward to Luton. It'll be a great, great day for everyone again. But we'll focus on that when we we get there. We've got league games between now and then, so we'll take each game as it comes. I'm just finding myself in the right place at the right time at the minute. Uh, hopefully that continues and I can keep adding a few more goals in there. All I said to the players afterwards was, well done, but come on, let's really get our minds straight away on track with them. It's all about um, Saturday against Aki, because it's going to be a real tough game for us. They're not the enjoyable games for me. The, the league games are the enjoyable ones. Um, but Aki, big, physical, strong side, as you'd expect from John Coleman. Um, but John Coleman's team's the big, physical, strong side that run, but they can handle football as well, and they're exactly the same. You know, got some athletic players, um, some good ball carriers, um, good, really, really good shape to them. But it's going to be a real tough game for us, um, and the mindset of everybody in the stadium has to be prepared from the first, which was going to be a battle. We'll have to see with Sean. You know, Sean well to get through 90 minutes at Stockport, but if you push someone like Sean through that 90, maybe pay the price for a week or two afterwards. We need the fan base to come with the same level of support. Come get behind the team. When the game goes a little bit flat, we need them. We need them to carry us. And then it's down to us at key moments to carry them as well. And we've had that since. January the 7th this year, we've had that in abundance in every game. Even when we lost our last home game to Newport, we got clapped off the pitch. All everybody's saying is, don't mismanage it. Don't get carried away with adding every minute of every game. Because if you're going to do that, shorten the games. If you're going to go off the stop clock, shorten the game. That's, that's the obvious thing. Because you're asking the players on the drop of a hat to go from playing sort of 94 or 96 minutes of football 
to play in 115. Cricket and Kent will be hoping to recover from back-to-back defeats in the one-day cup. The Spitfires have travelled to take on Surrey at the Oval. It follows losses to Lancashire and Leicestershire. And England are in quarter-final action at the Women's World Cup this weekend. The Lionesses take on Colombia after beating Nigeria on penalties. Lucy's been chatting to Liv Whitlock, who's captain of the sitting-born under-11s, along with her mum, Lauren. I'm quite inspired by them um, because... Ever since the, we won the Euros, loads of girls have been really keen and um, inspired to play and watch. I really enjoy playing football with my um, team because we have really good um, relationships on and off the pitch. Um, but we also like um, love high-end, like, tense um, football because we all um, have big dreams. Because I have a brother who plays football as well, I've always wanted... Um, too. And since we've um, won the Euros, I got really um, into it and I've been um, playing it a lot. That's brilliant. And we've had some Kent players as well in the national team. Obviously, Alessia Russo scored that goal in the China match and she was from just down the road in Maidstone. I mean, how incredible is that? Yeah, I think I feel really um, like um, hopeful now because um, since I've learned that um, big people can come from small faces, it's really um, inspired me to work hard. So if I could just chat to you a little bit now, Lauren, was it you who encouraged Liv to get into football? Actually, some girls in her class played and one of their dads was the coach and they um they told her about the social side, really, and they told her that if she came along to training, that they stayed in the bar afterwards and had a, a can of Coke and a bag of crisps. And she thought that sounded like an excellent idea. Um, and so went along. And, it, and yeah, she's been playing about for the last, coming up two years now. That's probably what she's gained from it the most. As brilliant as the football and the fitness and how active she is, I think the, the relationship that she builds with the nine, 12 girls on her squad is is the most special thing about it. These women footballers now in the Lionesses squad, they've become real celebrities, haven't they? Everyone knows their names. You know, they're on social media and everything. I mean, that just wouldn't have happened five, ten years ago, would it? No, I don't think it would. And I think it's affording the girls a level of respect that they wouldn't have had. I mean, Livy's quite new to this. So we came into her playing almost just as the girls were taking going into the Euros. So we really only know it as something that I think has, has gained a lot of respect. But um, my understanding is that it wouldn't have been like that necessarily for the girls. Um, Liv's team played a boys' team last weekend and um, the parents and the, and the boys were really respectful. The girls won. And I think that maybe two or three years ago, girls turning up, nine girls to play nine boys, there would have been a level of expectation that the boys were going to win. The boys knew what they were talking about. Um, and the boys' team and their parents were so respectful Wow, that's fantastic. And how did it feel, Liv, to beat the boys' team? It feels really good because um, it shows that um, we can match boys our own age and make her, me and my team feel really proud. Kent's Alessia Russo and Laura Coombs will be hoping to feature for the Lionesses. Well, that's all from us for today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok and Threads. Plus, you can get details on the top stories direct to your email each morning via the briefing. And to sign up to that, you just need to head to kentonline.co.uk. What's your on the site today you can check out the latest review from our secret drinker hope you have a fantastic weekend we'll be back with the podcast on monday news you can trust this is the kent online podcast